going to be. And let me say this. If you don't like being in the presence of God now, why would you go to heaven? If you don't like coming and gathering with other believers, why would you even go to heaven? Because in heaven, the whole, all of existence is, is surrounded by the presence and the power of God. So it's just a foretaste to come together and experience the power of God when we come to worship because we have an expectation that one day, do you watch this? If you can't stand for people to praise God, you don't want to go to heaven. If you can't stand for people to worship God, you don't want to go to heaven. If you can't stand for the program to stop and nothing is focused on anything else but God, you don't want to go to heaven. Because here's what the Bible says. It says in the in heavens, day and night, the angels cry, holy, 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 holy. So if you don't like being here, why would you even go to heaven? But let me tell you, this is just a foretaste of what it will be like to be in the presence of God, to gather in the temple of God, that we might experience the presence of God. So I just, I love it when we have a chance to come together because what a day it's going to be. What a day will that be when we get to see Jesus. Oh man, I don't know about you, but in, in my mind, I've imagined many times what he looks like. And many times, and, I, and I've rejected every picture I've seen because I'm sure he's not blue-eyed and curly hair I, because the Bible doesn't speak of him that way. But what does he look like now? And one day I'll see him. John said, we'll know him because we will see him and we will be like him. See, this is my hope in the midnight hour when I feel like throwing in the towel. This is my hope when, it, when all hell breaks loose in my life. This is my hope that my God has promised me one day he will come back to receive me and that where I am, there, where he is, there I may be also. And I tell you one of the things I can't wait to see. I, want, I can't wait to see how God pulled off putting mansions in a house. I just got to see that for myself. How did he pull that one off? How do you put mansions in, in a house? And not just a couple, but many mansions. How do you pull that one off? And how do you build streets with gold? And how do you get jasper and diamonds and rubies to just settle down and be a foundation? And if the things that we value on earth are just building materials, what is he going to reveal when we get there? If they're making gold, street with gold, if the streets are paved with gold, well, what are they making that you want to keep? Because nobody drove in today looking down at the streets and said, oh, how great is the concrete and the asphalt on these roads? So what is he going to reveal? John says, it does not yet, it's not apparent to us yet what it shall be revealed. What else does God have in store? If he built heaven on the stuff we put on our neck, put in the rings, walk around and, 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 and cascade with, he built it with that stuff. What a mighty God we serve. And this is, this is enough for you. If you keep that in your mind and your heart, day and night, you will hold to your faith. Because here's what I've come to understand. There's always a bit of extra or additional hope when you can see the finish line. We were driving on vacation last year and it just seemed like we had been driving and driving and driving. And then we finally saw a sign. And it said just 15 miles left. 
And I was at that point that I was getting ready to say, honey, somebody's, somebody else has to drive. I'm just tired of driving. But when I saw that 15, I said, it won't be long now. I can hang in there just a little while longer. Because it won't be long now. Keep heaven in your view, amen? We thank God for each one of you. This is a season of thanksgiving. So I hope that you have already come into the mindset of not, I pray today that you will get there, that you begin to, to thank God and be grateful, be thankful to him. This, this coming Thanksgiving, we will not have Bible study this Tuesday because we have our, our annual and our special Thanksgiving Day service. We have a 10 o'clock Thanksgiving Day service. Now this, this year we're doing it a little different. It's gonna be a friends and family day. And so it's a time that we will have special recognition for those who invite and, and, and encourage as many friends and family to come to give thanks, just to give thanks unto the Lord. We just have a time for an hour and a half or two just to give thanks to the Lord, just to be able to say, God, we thank you for this day. And it is important for us to, who know that God has been good for us to be, be willing to take time to thank you because the world is becoming progressively less thankful to God. If you don't, if you, it, we are one of the few nations in the world who has a day of thanksgiving. And now that has been distorted. I, I was watching the news and I discovered that uh, there's many stores are actually going to open their, their doors and start their special sales at six o'clock on Thanksgiving Day. If you're familiar with Thanksgiving, you know that's about the time you just starting to settle into the full fullness of the meal. That's about the time you just finished off and you just waiting for seconds. And now families will be dispersed all over the city, all over the nation, running and no longer giving thanks, no longer enjoying the moment of the, the gratefulness of their family and friends and loved ones to rush out to try to get more stuff. Do you realize we have more stuff than we need? Just ask Brother Jerry and Sister Nikki, they run a, a, a U-Store, it's a U-Store, U-Store facility, and they got over 200, almost 200 units over there, and they're all just about full, 400 units. And all of them just about full of stuff. And some of the stuff they just forget they got over there and stop paying, the, paying on the bill and they have to, they have to auction it off on, on Wednesday sometime. Then pay for five years to keep a bunch of junk in a, in a place and then forget all about it and just let it go after all that time. Just, just stuff. So we don't need more stuff. We need more thanks for what we already have because it is in our gratefulness and our, our gratitude that we find strength to press on, amen? So would you do this? Is there one thing you can lean over and tell somebody, hey, I'm grateful for this? Tell someone something you're grateful for. You gotta get your practice in because if you forget, Thanksgiving will be up on you. I'm gonna tell you this, I'm, I'm thankful for my wife, my children, and that they're healthy and strong, that they're well. I'm thankful for all of you as I look out and see your face and see that you are well. I'm thankful that God has given us yet one more time to gather in his name. Amen. And if we be honest, I'm thankful for turkey, ham, greens, sweet potato pie, peach cobbler, macaroni and cheese, green beans, greens, collard, mustard, I'll be thankful for all those too, amen? <laughs> Brother Rodney said, that's, a, that's, a, that's enough to dance on, amen? <laughs> but be thankful, be thankful, be thankful, amen? Because it doesn't, it doesn't hurt you to be grateful. It actually helps you, it adds to you because then you are able to appreciate more those who, val who you value, those who value you. But it also helps you to come back to that place where you realize, hey God, you have been good to me. Because here's something that I'm convinced of, and I'll get into the message in just a moment. I'm convinced of this, that the Holy Spirit's job in the earth is to teach man how to love God. That that's what the Holy Spirit's responsibility is, to teach us how to love God. Because here's what Jesus said. Jesus said that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The Holy Spirit came to bring conviction to the world that the world might come to know what it looks like to turn and then turn to the Almighty God and then follow Him. And then the Holy Spirit leads us in that means of us following Him. So the Holy Spirit is there to teach us how to love God. 
Now, if Satan is the anti-God, the anti-Christ, then he is working every day with all his methods in your life. What he's wanting to do is get you to hate God. I'm not talking about just leave him and kind of give up. No, he's working to get you to hate God. If you find one of the most, most uh, restated and recorded stories of the scriptures, it's the story of Job. And right in the middle of that, you'll find out, you know, in the beginning of the, of the, of the, of the story, you find that Satan is the one who's saying, I, if, you, if you allow me to put these afflictions on Job, then he will curse you and die. And you'll find that when you get about, uh, as, as you get into the story, you'll find that what ends up happening is Job's wife comes to him and he says, curse God. She says to him, curse God and die. To curse something, you gotta, you gotta have some pretty strong feelings against it, right? That's the goal. That was the whole goal, is to get Job to curse God. To con declare that God is not good, and then die. And he's still working that same plan in your life today. Still working to get you to curse God and die. To hate him and just be done. Amen? So today we, we encourage you to, to remember the goodness of the Lord, the power of God, and the strength of God working. Amen? Praise God. If you would, turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. Could you guys get all the lights back on for me? I think something went down. It kind of got dark. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 8 there we go amen let there be and there was and God said it is good amen Matthew chapter 8 there's just three verses we need verse 1 through 3 Matthew chapter 8 verse 1 through 3 Verse 1 reads, and, and he, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I want to talk to you today and encourage you with I am is willing. I am is willing. One of the things that we'll find that in this life you will have an adversity, you will come to a place where something uh, ails you, something comes against you, something is a part of your daily action and living that you need help with. That you will come to a place where you feel, you find out that what it is you need, that only God can supply, that only God can do it. And at some point, you'll be wrestling with the reality of, can it be done? And if it can be done, it, will it be done? Because if God can do all things and I need something done, then I must come to the point where I realize that I need for God to do something that only God can do. So we find here Jesus has just finished preaching one of the greatest sermons of all of his, his, his preaching ministry. He's just finished the Sermon on the Mount, where he's covered just about every, every element that we'll face as we go through this life. And then as he's coming down off of this mountain, as he's finishing up, he's coming down, and a man runs to him and bows down before him and declares, Lord, if you are willing to help me, if you are willing to help me, 
you can make me well. And notice that he's in this desperate place. He comes to God, but he comes and he says, if you are willing. He's not questioning whether God has the ability to. He comes to him and says, I just don't know. I've got a need. I need some help. I just don't know if you are willing or ready to do it. And how many times we find ourselves, as we go through a trial, as we go through a situation, coming to that place where we believe that God can do all things. But we ask the question, but will he do it? And notice what Jesus says. He says, I am willing. Now, this, is, this, this instance is so important that Mark, Luke, and Matthew all record it. And Mark records something. In Mark chapter 1, he records something about what happened that the others didn't. He says that Jesus saw the man bowed there in his desperate situation, and Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. He saw this man who came and, and laid his desperate situation at his feet. And he was moved with compassion. And he responded with, I am willing. The first thing that I want to share with you, and I hope that you'll come to understand this, the first thing that when you look at this text, one of the first things I want you to draw from this is that first and foremost, we have to be convinced that I am is even able. We have to be convinced that he's able because one of the things that, that makes it difficult is sometimes we face things that overwhelm our emotions. Sometimes things have been the way they are for quite some time. Sometimes we've heard other news related to this same situation. Sometimes we are aware that this is a dire situation. So the first thing, we've got to be first convinced that he is able. Because in coming to him, you must first believe that he what? He is. That he is what? That he is God. That he is able, that he is great, that he is mighty, that there is nothing too hard for him. So let's look back at the young man. He comes running in in verse number two. And look what he says. Behold, a leper came, worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, notice what he says. He did not put an if on the ability. He put an if on the will. He says, if you are willing, I know you can. And see, sometimes you've got to get to that point where you are convinced that God, whether you do it or not, I'm just convinced you can't do it. Okay, see, let me grab some witnesses because there were three young men who were taken into captivity into Babylon. And while they were there, their mothers and fathers were back home and they were by themselves. And then the king said, I want all of y'all to bow down and worship me. When you hear the sound of the trumpet, bow down and said, no, king, we can't do that. We got one God, one king, and that is the Lord Almighty. Watch this. And so he said, well, if you don't do it, you'll be thrown in the furnace. They said, well, so be it, but we won't bow. And here's what happens. They bind them up. They begin sending them into the furnace, and the men that are taking them into the furnace get burned up. But just in case we get burned up too, before we go in, they turn around and said, oh, king, live forever. Because even if our God doesn't deliver us, we want you to know he can deliver us. You've got to get to the point where you are convinced I am can do it. The man didn't come questioning whether God could do it. He came questioning, will he do it? First thing he came, he came convinced. He says, you can, I know you can, it just will you do it? Because see, when we look at this passage, we quote it, we say it, but Paul said, now unto him. 
now unto him who is. Because is is current, it's present tense. Not who was, not who will. He said now unto him who right now. Let me help you understand this. Past, present, and future all have an is. In your past, wherever you were, it was the is. Where you're standing right now, it's an is. When you get down in the future, it will be an is. So he said, now unto him who is past, present, future, is able. Anytime, anywhere, at all times, he is able. So I must first be convinced he's able. But not just to do something. Because just to do means it just gets done. How many had some things that were done but weren't done well? Yeah, I remember we talked about Thanksgiving and being grateful and then we were going over to a relative's house for Thanksgiving and we had some greens and they were, you know, it's time. And I wasn't a big fan of greens already, but I was going to have some. Give me a fork of greens and I go sit down. Went to, went, went to give me a, a fork of them. What a little piece of SOS pad. I thought, oh man, I'm done for the day. <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> it, it wasn't just over for the greens, it was over for the plate. So I will be going to McDonald's. I, I take my chances out there. So it was done, but it wasn't done well. But he said, now unto him who don't just do, but any time he does, he does it well. And then better than well, because he said, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all I ask or think. But look where it came back to your thinking. You've been convinced that he is able to go exceeding abundantly above. You've got to first start out being convinced. The man ran up. He wasn't trying to figure out, could Jesus do it? He came and fell down and he said, Jesus, I know you can do it, but will you do it? He said, if you're willing. If you're willing, he says, here's what, if you are willing, here's what will happen. You will make me whole. If you're willing... You make me clean. So the first thing we must be is convinced that he is able. The next thing you must first then, the second thing you must then acknowledge who he is. See, 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 the thing is, oftentimes we will acknowledge that God exists. We'll even acknowledge that he is alive. But do we acknowledge that he is? Because when you look back at the text again, the young man, he understood it. He ran and worshiped. And behold, a leper came and did what? Not praised him. Worshiped him. Because he ain't done nothing for me yet. I realize that he can do, but I'm coming to acknowledge who you are. Because worship acknowledges who God is. And it's all about him. Now notice how he's in a desperate situation where he has a desperate need, but he doesn't make it all about him. Because oftentimes we fall short in our desperate need because when we become desperate, it becomes all about us. I ain't going to pray. 
I ain't going to worship. I ain't going to worship. Don't want to talk about Jesus. Just pray for me. Pray my strength. Why would I need to pray for your strength when you're in need? The man is desperate. And he didn't need a worship leader. He didn't need a praise team. He didn't need the, the keyboard. Dun, 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 And then after about 15 minutes of the song, we were just talking about this last night. I said, you know, uh, uh, you can go in some, 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 some environments, you worship, they come in and just say, God is good. And everybody says, yes, God, you're good. Well, sometimes you, you got to say, we, we got to have a whole song. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. And then after about 20 times, the, that, that 20th one is when you get it. He's good. He's good. He's good. <laughs> like he was good on the first one. But it took 19 more before you finally got that. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. Ah! He's good! Like he was good the first time. So why is it that when we become desperate, we have trial in our lives? Get bad news. And we shut down. But this man realized that my help comes from the Lord. I cannot go backwards. I got to go forward. See, God is looking for a time when people will measure how much trouble is in your life based upon how much worship you're giving. See, now we know the indication of trouble by your demeanor. It start on the parking lot. I, I've seen it. Get out. You've made it to the house of the Lord. Where strength and hope is, you come in. You all right, Sister Smith? I'll make it. You all right? You okay? Just going through. Pray my strength. And then the worship gets going. God sends, God, God sends his presence. Worship is happening. Somebody lift your hand. Has God been good to somebody in here? And yet, I'm in desperate need. So here's what the man teaches us today. He was in a desperate place because, here's what you need to understand. He was a leper. Meaning that since the time he was diagnosed with leprosy, he hadn't been touched. He hadn't been hugged. Because by law, if you go back and look in Leviticus, in the Old Testament, you, they literally created societies for the lepers. By law, by the Levitical law, he had to go and be with other lepers. So when he came running in, he came running in knowing he was breaking protocol, knowing he was breaking the law, and knowing that Jesus, see, here's what you got to understand. When he got there, he realized the reason he asked if you're willing is because he knew Jesus knew that he had broken the law by coming to him. He said, I'm convinced he can help me. The question is, will he help me? Because I've come here and I bowed down here. I'm in need, God. Oh, how beautiful is this master we have. 
Because here's where this thing is heavy. The man had already broken the law to come and make his request because he was supposed to stay a certain distance from Jesus. But he bowed at his feet and worshipped him. And he says, if you're willing, you can help me. But Jesus looking at him, moved with compassion because the whole purpose of putting them away was because if they touched, you could then be unclean. You would be, whether you had leprosy or not, you would be deemed unclean and sent to be quarantined. Put away to determine, to watch and observe to see if you become a leper. Jesus said, not only do I see his heart, but I see his pain. Because as I told you, he had been touched since leprosy came upon him. But Jesus reaches out and just touches him. Before he healed him, he touched him. Before he dealt with his matter, he touched him. And see, that's where God blesses you in worship. When you worship him, God reaches back to you. Worship is your reason for God. And then he reaches back and touches you. Okay. James said it like this. He says, if you draw nigh to God, he draws nigh to you. What brings God, what brings us closer to God? Worship. And what brings God closer to us? Worship. So the man came. He worshiped. God, I'm desperate. I need you. Lord, if you are willing, you can help me. God, if you're willing, you can help me. That's why I was saying earlier that we have to be thankful because Thanksgiving brings you to the place of worship because you recognize, wait a minute, if he's done all these things, then he's this. If he's kept me multiple times, then that means he's a keeper. So right now, I already know you're a keeper because you didn't keep me. So I'm just coming to talk to you about being keepers. For the Lord is my keeper. Uh, because, see, I haven't been sick enough to be healed, but I know somebody that's healed, and you're the Lord that heals. So I'm going to thank you because you are a healer. God, I don't know that I've ever been in that position where I haven't had any money, but when I had troubles, I... Needed your help, and I found out you told, someone told me that you provided for their needs. So I, I come to you because you are all these things. But see, when it comes to healing, oftentimes, because this is why he's coming, you're not concerned about eating today. I'm not concerned about clothes, shelter. He's coming and says, God, my body needs you. So he's coming to Jesus, who is the great I am. Look what God declared in Exodus chapter 3, verse number 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. So Moses says, God, I'm going to go in here. You're telling me to go in here to tell Pharaoh to let these people go. But if they don't believe me, who should I tell them sent me? He says, tell them I am sent you. I am. But wait a second. He double states it. Because one backs the other. I am that I am. Meaning that whatever I need to be, I can be. That's why I am that I am. Because am is I'm being it right now. 
was, I was is our being. I will means it's to come. He said, but I'm always present. And the psalmist got a hold to it. He said, uh, the Lord is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. Not after the trouble's over, but when trouble comes, I'm the help in trouble. He says, so I am presently. I'm always present tense. Thus, I am that I am. So he says, I am that I am. And then to tie this together, because you said, well, well Pastor, you must have missed something because he, did, he was coming to Jesus. You're saying that I am is able, I am is willing, but this is God talking to Moses. But the man is talking to Jesus. Jesus declared this in, in John chapter 20, verse 21. He said, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He says, wait a minute, to, to, don't, get, don't get all messed up about this because you're looking for something else. Everything you need, I'm it. The Father sent me. He gave me everything that you need. He sent me. So when we understand that Jesus was sent from God to us, then we understand who is the I am we're talking about. Watch this now, my last point. Be assured that I am is willing. So first we must be convinced that he can because we come to him, we gotta be convinced. The man said, you can do it. Then we gotta be convinced of who he is then you got to be assured that he is willing. Look, look at verse 3, back in verse 3 of that, Matthew 8, look what he says. It says, then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Jesus reached, Jesus reached out, touches him, and says, I am willing. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. Watch this now. Look what Jesus said. They said, show us the Father, it'll suffice us. Just if Jesus, if you just show us the Father, it'll suffice. If you show us the Father, we'll be okay. Philip, Philip felt like he really was going to stretch out there. And, and Jesus says, how long have I been with y'all? Every, I done told you everything I'm doing, the Father told me to do. Everything you see me doing, the Father taught me to do this. Everything I'm saying, I'm saying the Father told me to say it. He says, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Then it goes on to say, and we beheld him, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld him as the Son, the only begotten of the Father. So when Jesus said, I am willing, he was essentially saying, I am willing. I am willing. He was essentially saying, I am is willing. Because ultimately, he says, if you see me, you've seen the Father. 
Look at this Exodus 15 and 26. And he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Once again, he says, I am. Now, the emphasis there, the capitalization of that, the emphasis I put there to make my point, he says, for I am. What? I am the Lord who heals you. Look at Exodus chapter 3 and 14. It says, and, the, and God said to Moses, I am that I am. So the question must be, is he willing? The man came, he recognized that his desperate need, only God could help him. He came, he was convinced, point one, that God could do it. He said, if you're willing, you can. That's one. He acknowledged who God was because he came and he worshiped. Set everything aside. So right now, God, I know that I've come to you in a need, but right now it's not about me. Because here's the thing. Faith cannot be the focus of your faith. I know that messed you up, didn't it? Faith can't be the focus of your faith. Faith is, the, is to focus you on the one whom your faith is in. Because, see, when we talk about building faith, you might say, I just need to give me some more faith. I need to give some more faith. And forget that always faith is redirecting us back to the one who we place our confidence in. So if I'm just trying to build faith for the sake of building faith, I may lose the essence of why my faith is significant. Because my faith causes me to hope in the one whom I trust. So the man comes running. Lord, you, you're willing. You can help me. Each one of us here find ourselves sometimes wandering. God, are you willing? I know you can do it. Or are you willing to do it for me? And that can be desperate. It can be despair. Thinking, God, I, I've heard testimonies of healing. I've heard you touching others, but are you willing to do it for me? Because oftentimes we qualify or quantify faith. Faith is not necessarily just quantity, it's quality. Am I convinced that you are able? Because even in that, I say, God, you are worthy of glory and honor, whether you heal me or not. Even before you heal me, even before you move in my life, I'll yield myself to you. Even before you do anything for me, God, I come to thee and acknowledge that you are good, your mercies is everlasting, and your truth endures to all generations. And even if you don't do it, I'm convinced you can do it. But here's, as I, as I close, here's the reason. I believe Mark recorded Jesus' move with compassion. Because the man came, he had no option. 
He had no hopes. He had no hope of ever touching his family. He had no hope of ever being invited back into society. He had no hope of ever being welcomed back in and seeing his life restored. Here's why I believe Jesus was moved with compassion. Because he saw an opportunity not to just heal him. He saw an opportunity to restore him. But I'll say this. Oftentimes we assume healing is only in this life. Sometimes God, for, for the believer, for the believer, for the born-again believer, sometimes God's healing of you is him taking you on. Because there's no sickness, there's no disease in his bosom. If God chooses to heal on the earth, he does it for his glory. I want you to go back to the beginning. The Bible says, as he came down off the mountain, watch this now, multitudes were following. Multitudes were following. People were watching to see the two players in this scene. They seen a man run in. They said, wait a minute. Their mind is focused on the fact he don't belong here. He doesn't belong here with Jesus. All of us that are here, we are qualified to be here, but he doesn't belong here. Jesus says, and yet his faith has brought him here. See, faith in Christ Jesus makes you worthy. It qualifies you for the blessing. Let me show you this. When the Seraphonician woman came to Jesus, and I'm done, she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, my daughter, she needs to be healed. Jesus looked at her and says, Shall I give the children's bread to a dog? The woman would not be denied because she said, my situation is desperate. I don't have any other options. I got to come to you. And she says, sure, Lord. Whatever you're calling me. But even the dog can eat crumbs. Fall from the master's table. The woman realized that even if Jesus just gave her a crumb, that if she just got a crumb of what he could do, it would be enough to make it well. But here's why I came there. Here's what I'm referencing that. He said that the healing that she was seeking was the children's bread. Ah! If I'm a child of God, it is my bread to seek my father for healing. It's the children's bread to be healed. If I'm a child, it's my right to be healed. It's my right to come for healing. It's my right to believe for healing. It is my right to receive healing because she, he said, this is the children's bread you're asking for. He said, Lord, I don't want to take nothing from the children then. But just give me a crumb of what felt, what's falling by the wayside. We don't have to get crumbs. Because here's what the Bible says. Paul says, we are seated together in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus, God has brought you to the table to eat the children's bread. Is he willing? The word emphatically declares, yes, I am willing.
says, I am willing. Be made whole. Be clean. What is God willing to do for you? What can you glean from this man in his desperate situation and not focusing on him, but coming and saying, God, it's all about you. I already have the faith to believe you can do it. But my worship is to you. Whether you help me or not, because he says, if you're willing, he wasn't convinced he was going to do anything, but he says, if you will. You can. But even if you don't, here's my worship. I am, is, willing. He's willing to heal. He's willing to deliver. He's willing to set free. He's willing to restore. He's willing to restore. He's willing to, to build back up. He's willing to advance. He's willing to progress. He's willing to lift you up. For he is willing. And how beautiful is this master that we serve. That he's not unwilling to be touched by your infirmity. When the woman had the issue of blood, Jesus says, who touched me? When, the, when, the, when, when the, the leper came and worshiped and asked God, would you do something? He touched me. But imagine this. Imagine what that did for everyone around. No longer did they see him as that, the leper man. They saw him as the man whom God showed favor to. 